I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2019 Precision Farming Dealer Podcast Series. In today's program, we take a look at the current landscape of the ag tech market, including where dealers and farmers are focusing their attention, along with how the market could change in the near future based on internal and external influences. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if there's another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know, and we'll look to get it added. And a reminder that by subscribing, you'll be able to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Well, the types of ag technology that manufacturers are developing, dealers are selling, and farmers are adopting is changing. A combination of factors are contributing to the evolution, including market instability, commercial momentum for increased machine automation, and more connectivity with technology. So, how will the priorities of today shape the innovations of the future? I had the opportunity to chat with Stephen Fisher, Executive Director and Senior Analyst with UBS Investment Research, focusing on machinery, engineering, and construction and industrial companies. We took turns sharing some perspective on how other industries are influencing ag technology, best bets for short-term adoption trends, and why consolidation will likely continue in the industry. In today's Precision Farming Dealer podcast, we share excerpts from my conversation with Steve as part one of a discussion which will look at some of the ongoing dealer research being done by UBS into the ag technology market. The twice-year ag dealer survey still in process. Uh, we still do that. And then we're trying to... I've started with a report that we published in... January, really thinking about the uh, the future of farming, mm-hmm. and what kind of stimulated it was the idea that in the past it seemed like you really just kind of had to have a view for where grain prices uh, were going to be going, and that may have kind of guided the thinking around investment cycles from a machinery perspective, and to some extent or a large extent farm profitability. We now seem to be facing the potential for what the, address the question of what if grain prices don't really ever break out of this range that they've been in for the last several years. And so what does that mean for farm profitability? And how do grain farmers and other producers manage in that environment? What happens to the industry structure? Do they, do they need to invest money to make money, uh, which is generally the the conclusion that we come to, Um, and then uh, thinking about other bigger pictures about how does the U.S. kind of prevent market share uh, deterioration relative to other producers around the world. So some some big picture questions, but it seems to come around to the notion of uh, technology is an important factor here. Farmers need to increase the attractiveness of our product in the U.S. to other parts of the world, that means lowering the price, which means farmers have to lower the cost of production, which comes back to technology. Sort of one of the uh, thoughts here is that, or the analogies, oil producers figured out how to make money when oil went from 100 to 50. Yeah, and you think about airlines figured out how to make money when oil went from 50 to 100. Uh, So, you know, there's been other industries that have made adjustments to be able to 
kind of thrive in various price environments. Do does the is the grain market something similar? And and we think it is. Have you found uh, with with some of that initial analysis? I mean, are are there opportunities there to to kind of follow some of those other industries? Is there a kind of a, a map that's laid out, or or some parallels to be drawn from uh, from from whether it's you know the airline industry or or being able to I guess do more with less? And and we're seeing that certainly you know to a certain respect uh, with with technology, and that's enabled a lot of grain farmers and and uh, dealers as well you know to be able to capitalize. Uh, on those, some of those efficiencies that, that technology allows? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the, the parallels on the oil side would be technology. They found ways to become much more efficient in their drilling um, and production processes. And on the airline side, I think it's been much more around marketing. If you think about in the olden days, there were no charges for, for baggage and the change fees were, were different and dynamic uh, market pricing and things along those lines have become much more sophisticated. I think the analogy there is that one thing that, that growers need to do is, is be much more effective in their own marketing. And it's, you know, having your phone with you and in the field and being able to, you know, trade dynamically and, and, know what, have a strategy rather than sort of waiting till end of season and, and hoping for the best. So I think there there are definitely parallels to uh, to both of those industries in, in different ways. Right. I mean, and, and then when we're talking about some of the, I guess, the technologies that are, are going to have an impact, particularly in ag, there, there certainly seems to be, you know, some lessons learned from uh, some of the other industries, obviously, you know, with within particular what, what I seem to hear drawn on quite a bit is the automotive industry. When we're talking about some of the equipment automation, some of the, even the autonomy aspects that uh, certainly are, are getting rapidly developed in the ag segment. And, and certainly, I mean, whether we're talking about field testing or, or actually, you know, being brought to market, you know, that seems like something that could be a real game changer based on, you know, some of the conversations I've had with dealers and, and even farmers as far as how they see the implementation uh, of some of those technologies. Now, maybe not to a fully autonomous extent, but certainly, you know, kind of moving toward that, uh, you know, more fully automated equipment and, and being able to put those uh, aspects to play out in the field, you know, and, and reducing some of the inefficiency that that's out there. Yeah, for for sure. This is kind of where we're trying to uh, figure things out at the moment as to where the which technologies are having the biggest impact now, uh, which ones are having the least impact, where there's the the least desirability to invest and adopt, how that's going to change in the next one to two years, and how that may change in sort of five plus years. I, that's where I was kind of really hoping to pick your brain, mm-hmm. um, thinking about, you know, so what what are the farmers you talk to and the dealers talking to you about, like, which, uh, the sense we've gotten is it, the, some of the precision stuff in terms of, like, spraying and, and planting um, and, to some extent, harvesting, this is really where you kind of find the, the biggest impact. I'm not sure... To the extent, you know, drones and autonomy and automation, I mean, maybe uh, hard to tell whether that's where that all fits in. But do you have a view as to just sort of the question of where where's the biggest impact 
right now or which technology is having the biggest impact. I think uh, you're spot on there with uh, a lot of, I think, the conversations I'm having, particularly with dealers and, and farmers, is that, you know, uh, we've certainly seen here over the last few years much more of an emphasis um, on some of those technologies where there's a, a proven definable payback. And I think where a lot of that has emerged, again, you know, with, with some of the dealers and the success they're having working with customers have been on, on the application side, on the seeding side, whether we're talking about kind of the variable, variable rate, being able to, uh, I guess, connect those dots for farm customers with, you know, the, the real payback uh, of some of these technologies. Now, obviously, you know, there, there's a lot that's been said about, you know, certainly when the big precision boom took place and, and GPS and guidance, and that was a real, you know, uh, definable uh, return on investment there, something that, that was very tangible. And it seems to be now, you know, dealers have really thrived, the ones that are, are doing very well in this environment in being able to kind of show and, and tell customers, you know, what uh, some of the capabilities and, and return is going to be. And again, it seems a lot of that's happening on the seating and, and application side with some of the systems that are out there, you know, whether it's being able to uh, reduce population, reduce, you know, input costs and be more accurate and precise with putting that seed in the ground or applying that fertilizer. So those seem to be the, the technologies, you know, as far as what I'm hearing uh, from an adoption standpoint and um, uh, talking with dealers and, and what we see with some of the, the survey data we collect, both on the farmer side and the dealer side, seem to be areas that have shown some of the most growth and, and potential, certainly over the last few years. You referenced, you know, obviously unmanned area vehicles. That's, that's an area that I think a lot of, you know, dealers and customers seem to think there's a lot of potential yet there. And that seems to be just a little bit less definable in terms of, you know, putting kind of some hard numbers to, although I know there are, are dealers and, and farmers that are having success have really found ways to capitalize on that technology. But some of those, like you said, probably are a little bit more on the emerging side, you know, are, are still kind of coming in, in ag. And I think right now there's a much more of an emphasis on, you know, kind of what's the, the definable payback on my farm operation today. You know, what, what do I want to spend the money on where I'm going to see that return uh, that's really going to either benefit my bottom line or, or save me money uh, on my operational costs. Do you get any sense that, uh, or agree with this notion that farmers need to spend money to make money? That's an interesting question, and, and it's funny talking with, with some dealers and farmers. There There is, you know, some, there are some that have kind of maybe taken that approach where they see this as, as the best time to, to invest and, and kind of branch out into some technologies that maybe they, they hadn't utilized on their farm or necessarily, you know, pushed uh, as much in, within the dealership setting. You know, again, you know, kind of looking at, I guess, you know, in the down market, is it the best time to kind of make those investments? And I think some, some folks are certainly seeing this as the time to uh, take advantage and, and make, you know, those adoptions on, on their operation or, you know, be the dealer that is, you know, kind of trying to get out on the leading edge there of, getting these, these systems, these products, these technologies, you know, into their customers' farms and, and really doing a good job of trying to promote the benefits and show them the value. So 
there is certainly some of that from what I'm seeing, you know, and that you do have maybe some of the more progressive dealers and farmers that, you know, certainly want to take advantage uh, of trying to increase those efficiencies, you know, and be on the cutting edge there and, and kind of look for those opportunities, even, you know, in a bit of a down cycle to, to try to, you know, boost their bottom line, be better off for it. So, you know, certainly when, when things evolve here, you know, they obviously want to try to position themselves to be, you know, ahead of the game uh, for when the next technology comes out. And do you think, so is there an opposite side to that, that just other folks are just sort of locked down at this point and not spending, even though they know it might be the right thing to do? Well, that's interesting. We we see historically, uh, we we just had completed a, a benchmark study for our no-till farmer publication, and we typically try to analyze the projected investments for for those farmers. You know, one of the areas is looking at precision technology and services, and you know, often what we found is that farmers might be a little bit conservative in their projection. Uh, for expenditures for the coming year, but we find out then the following year that they, you know, tend to exceed that, you know, with what they actually invested in. And and so I I think it probably depends on the opportunity and, you know, the need, but also one of the interesting takeaways, I think, from from the study this year was we saw almost across the board increase in respondents saying, you know, the different types of technologies that they plan to utilize on their farms uh, this year in 2019. And I think it was 11 different categories that saw, you know, pretty, pretty decent increases in plant adoption and application on their farms. Uh, And this is particular, you know, specific to the technology side. So, you know, there, there clearly seems to be an indication that, you know, there's an interest out there, you know, we'll, we'll see, I guess, if it translates, you know, from an execution standpoint, but it's, it's probably fair to say, certainly there are some, you know, farmers and dealers that are obviously being a little more conservative in, in this environment. You know, I've talked to a couple that, you know, are looking kind of for those opportunities, you know, not necessarily kind of just, you know, packing it in, but, but wanting to be a little bit more, um, uh, I guess, thoughtful, you know, and, and where they dedicate their resources and, and put their efforts you know, towards. So it's probably a mix. I mean, I think we're seeing a little of both, but certainly there's people that are looking to be more advantageous in this environment and others that are looking to just be a little bit more conservative. One of my observations is it's an interesting industry because you have some companies that are 100 to 200 years old in this industry, and then you have a whole swath of companies that are, you know, 10 years and less, and that some of which are trying to disrupt the industry. So how does this play out from here? I think you know, it seems to me that the most savvy ones that are the, the legacy companies that can figure out how to work with the startups and figure out and discern you know, where they should be making acquisitions and partnering, you know, those are the ones that are going to do the best. They're, they're innovating newer companies. And so it's not something that the legacy companies really ignore, and they probably do need some of the uh, spirit of the, the younger the younger and more uh, new and disruptive companies. Any sense from your side of how that is shaping up? It's It's been interesting to see kind of some of that dynamic play out here with, you know, even just some of the, some of the non-traditional, you know, egg companies, particularly on the tech side, 
getting involved, you know, uh, in agriculture. You know, some have been, you know, pretty high profile, but also you mentioned, you know, some of the startups that, that we're seeing that are looking to kind of break in into that market and, you know, probably getting the attention of some of the, you know, certainly the established egg service providers and, and companies in there. I, I was curious, you know, from, from your perspective, you mentioned the fact that, you know, obviously there is, you know, more of, more of an outside influence you know, possibly than, than ever before. Do you see, I mean, you know, from that, that venture capital side, kind of the non-egg segment of industry, you know, having a, a greater influence or interest in kind of the egg tech market going forward? That's a good question. I haven't studied exactly the VC industry as a whole, but directly related or not, I mean, one sense I got was there's some technologies and and parts of the market where maybe the legacy companies want to see the newer companies uh, make the investments and, and, you know, some, some will succeed and some will fail, you know, blaze the trail and deal with some liability questions, maybe perhaps technology questions, and then the legacy guys can kind of step in and, and, and take it from there once, those hurdles are over and they don't need to deal with them. But it does seem like there is no shortage of technology startups, and I'm sure many of them have to be uh, venture-backed. And so, yeah, I, I would guess that there is uh, a whole world of, uh, of venture financing just in the uh, the ag side. But it's, it's a good point. I should probably kind of pursue that angle a little bit maybe before the next time we talk. Yeah, and it's been interesting to see, you know, obviously with some of the you know, the major uh, egg equipment manufacturers certainly partnering or acquiring, you know, some of those companies here in the last few years. Again, you know, maybe going back to, you know, kind of obviously putting some of those pieces in place that is going to kind of round out that precision offering and, and position they have within the market. You mentioned, you know, the, the startup aspect and, you know, there have, have been a number of startups that have, you know, looked to make an impression on the precision egg side. Do, do you see an opportunity there in that, that realm or, or do you think, you know, as we kind of move forward, are, are we going to maybe see, I guess, maybe thinning out of that market or, you know, some companies that grow, some that get acquired, some that, you know, are, are looking particularly for for those partnerships or or going to kind of just consolidate to to be you know something that's going to be a little bit more either of a niche industry or or something that could develop into uh you know something that's going to have a more dominant impact on the market yeah i would say that the sense that we get and i've asked around about this question because it seems like there's so many different data analytics providers connectivity related companies trying to figure out exactly where they fit in and how they differentiate themselves. And the answer I've gotten is that many of these companies are adding some value, but it's a very narrow slice of value. And to have a long-term sustainable uh, business model off of that narrow slice is hard. And so what they often try and do is just you know, build up enough of a substance of the business as they can with the expectation that it will get consolidated. And that seems to make sense to me. Uh, probably it'll be from the hardware perspective, 
get commoditized, uh, those would get consolidated as well. So, yeah, I, I think there's probably likely a, a big round of consolidation of, of some of these technology companies. And part of what I've been thinking is the if, if they're not, and some of these companies will just continue to pursue their own uh, paths, you know, that could end up being disruptive to some of the major OEMs. So they need to, I think, have a skill set, the legacy companies, in figuring out where are the right companies to put your money, how to do, beat out the competition to get those, those technologies, and, and when is the right time to do it. Well, thank you, Steve, for taking time to share some initial perspective on the changing precision farming market. And we look forward to continuing the conversation. Once again, if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast series in iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when upcoming episodes are released. And you can also keep up on the latest precision farming news impacting your dealership by registering online for our free e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PFD Editors and on our Precision Farming Dealer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2019 podcast series. For Stephen Fisher, UBS, and our entire staff here with Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Jack Zanlicka. Thanks for listening.